1 Corinthians 12:14-27. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It will not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where will the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where will the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? After this, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is the part of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Pearl, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning. My name is Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and if we haven't had a chance to meet, I would love to have a chance to meet you today if you're here in person, if you're online. I know Pastor Donovan's with you and would love to have a chance to uh, converse with you in the chat. We hope you had a good week. We also realize that that doesn't always happen. And so if you're struggling with something right now, we do believe that you have come to the right place. And you've tuned in today for worship. We believe that God meets you where you are, loves you more than you know, and we would love to have the chance to pray with you about whatever it is that's going on in your world right now. We are also in a sermon series that's called All In. We've been looking at our new vision together as a church. We launched it in early January, and so we've been talking about it. What will matter to us most as a church? Where do we want to put our emphasis, our focus? What do we want to be caught doing when Jesus comes back, right? What do we want to put our energy, our resources, our time, and and all that we are? And so here's a graphic to show us what that looks like. We started with Jesus because that's always the best place to start, right? Because we are followers of Jesus, we need to know what matters most to him. Jesus told us what matters most are two things, loving God and loving others in the same way that we love ourselves. And so that's the anchor, the foundation for our vision together as a church. And then we put that into action. We breathe it into life in these four primary ways. Your connection through worship, multi-generational discipleship, 
presence out in the community and missional service. This is how we bring that faith and love of God and others to life. And we've talked about that. We unpacked each of those main quadrants during January. And now we're looking at those arrows in the center that keep it all going. Because nothing happens without what happens in the center of that uh, diagram. And those are the two words, giving and serving and giving and serving. And that is what we do as disciples again and again and again. Today we're focusing on that word serving. I mean, look at what scripture has to say about it. And 1 Corinthians 12 gives us this beautiful and challenging image of a church. And so we're going to unpack that image together. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Savior, our refuge, our rock, and our Redeemer. And it is in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I took a few days to go to Virginia Beach to celebrate his birthday. So happy birthday to you. <laughs> and while we were there, we spent a little time in the mornings out on the boardwalk. And there were people running on the boardwalk and we were running on the boardwalk. But one of those mornings, I heard this big group of runners go by and I could hear them talking. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but they did not have soft voices. And so I could not miss what they said. These are the phrases that I heard. The first said, I want to be part of something that matters. The next said, I want to feel alive again. The third, I want to do what I can now. The last, I want to feel my heart moving again. Don't you? I couldn't believe that's what they were talking about, right? These are significant, heavy conversations when they're running down the boardwalk early in the morning. These were people of different ages and stages in life. There was diversity in that group. And I thought, boy, isn't that what so many of us are seeking? A life that matters. That be part of something to do what we can do to make a difference in this world. And as a pastor, of course, my mind immediately went to faith. Living out faith, being part of the body of Christ, being part of a church is one way that we live out this desire to make a difference, to have our hearts feel full, to do something that matters, to belong to something that's bigger than we are and make a difference within it. The scripture that Pearl read for us today was 1 Corinthians 12. And in that passage, it gives us an image of what God says that the church is. And what the church is meant to be. So we're going to unpack that together. If you've got your Bibles with you or your Bible apps, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you do, I'm going to give you a little bit about the context. There's a lot of different kinds of literature in the Bible. And this, from which we read today, is a letter. A letter that was written to uh, specific people at a specific time and a specific place to deal with issues that they had. Who wrote it? Well, that was Paul, one of the earliest theologians and missionaries in the early church. When did he write this letter? Well, that was around 53 or 54 A.D. or C.E., whichever you prefer. And that was, you realize, just 17, 20 years or so after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. This is one of the earliest writings in the New Testament. It was written before the Gospels were written, and that matters. 
Why did Paul write this letter? Well, it was a church that he had started a couple years before. He had lived in Corinth, which was this uh, commercial urban hub at the time. He'd lived with them for over a year and a half to plant this church and build relationships there. The church did not have, well, not the church, but Corinth, the city, did not have the best reputation either. Some called it Sin City. And that church now had gotten to the point where they were full of division, full of conflict. I read that it would be hard to imagine a church that was more messed up than the one in Corinth was. Animosity, people picking sides, fighting for control, disagreeing about ethics, you name it. There were over two dozen altars and shrines and temples in that city to different kinds of gods. And things at Corinth now in the church were not going well. If we ever think division and conflict in churches are something new, well, it's not. (laughs) Go back about 2,000 years. It was present then, too. So how does Paul respond to what's going on at the church at Corinth? What does he write to this church that he loves, that he helped plant, that is now messier and divided and uh, where things are just not going well at all? Well, he writes about love and saying that that matters. That's the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You've probably heard some of that one before. But if you're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, he gives them a model of what church is meant to be. In verse 12, Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members or parts, and all those members are parts of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says the church is like a human body. That is the body of Christ. We bring that to life in our community. Verse 13, he writes, For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whoever we are, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. That when we are baptized is when we become part of that body. Verses 14 through 24 then go into a lot more detail. Uh, He writes that the body consists of all these different members and parts, the foot, the hand, the eye, the ear, the head, the sense of smell, the sense of hearing. That God designed and arranged all the different parts with their respective gifts to be united in one purpose. All of us together. No one inferior, no one superior, no one not needed that all matter and belong. By the time we get to verse 25, he writes that this design is so that there may be no dissension or division within the body. As we need each other. We're supposed to take care of each other. We're different by design. And what happens to one part of the body happens to the whole. It's this beautiful, challenging image of what church is meant to be. Well, why use this image? We don't know exactly, but it's an image to which we all can relate because we all have a body and we know what it's like to have one. So it's easy for us to understand that. 
I think the bigger question is what we can learn from Paul's choice of the human body as an example and model for church. What do we learn? I want to suggest four primary things. You can write these down. We learn diversity, interdependence, unity, and belonging. Diversity, interdependence, unity, and belonging. This is the divine design of the church, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Number one, we learn that diversity matters in the church. If you've got somebody sitting with you, uh, or if you're sitting by yourself, I want you to say aloud to the other person if you can, or just to yourself like I am. Uh, Just say diversity. One, two, three. Diversity. Diversity matters in the church. This is what Paul writes to a church that is in conflict. That diversity is by divine design. Diversity matters. Not all of us are an eye or an ear, Paul writes. We won't all be the same. We won't all see things the same way. In the human body, after all, there are 206 bones, 630-some muscles, ligaments, cartilage, skin, 70-some organs, who knows how many nerves and veins and capillaries and arteries in the human body that function in different systems all together and each part with a unique and different purpose. With each one doing its thing, every part designed differently from the next. Likewise, think about our church. And look around the room if you're here in person. And if you're there online, you can uh, message each other in the chat. But think about it. We are different from one another. Really, look around the room. We are different ages, different stages in life, different hairstyles, different body shapes, different body types, different ethnicities, different first languages, different stories uh, bring us together. And we're always working to be more diverse, right? Because we want to look like the community in which the church exists. It's no mistake or accident that we have diversity. It is by divine design. Not only in who we are or what we think, but also in what we do. Some of us uh, can play an instrument that plays brand or sing. Some of us are running graphics and sound. Some of us are running cameras in the room. Some of us like to cook. Some of us like to teach. Some of us don't like to do those things at all. Some of us want to do finances. Some of us want to welcome. Some of us want to greet. And some of us don't want to do those things at all. We are different by design. Diversity is that divine design of God for the church, and it matters. Number two, we're going to put these next two things together, interdependence and unity. And if you're sitting by yourself, I want you to say those words to yourself. And if you're sitting with somebody else, I want you to say those to them. The words are interdependence and unity. One, two, three. Interdependence and unity. These go together. This is what Paul writes to a church in conflict, that interdependence and unity are valued and make a difference. He tells them essentially in 1 Corinthians 12 that they need each other. And that interdependence matters more than anything that divides them. Diversity is good for the body. Division is not. Unity is good for the body. Uniformity is not. Think about it. We think about our bodies every time we take a step or play an instrument or breathe or smile or hug someone or eat a biscuit or shake a hand or give water to someone who's thirsty or cut wood for someone who's cold or teach a class. 
thousands of different parts and pieces and cells in our bodies have to work together as one to make that happen. Not only our muscles and bones and capillaries, but also think about the church, the different personalities and backgrounds and ages and stages in life and all of us that it takes to make ministry happen. We need each other and depend on each other for that. Our uniqueness matters and adds to the whole. Paul writes in these verses that no one person matters more than anyone else, right? To those of us of low self-esteem, he says the body is meant to encourage respect and honor. To those of us with a little too much self-esteem, he writes that uh, humility (laughs) is a good thing. We are designed to need each other. To be interdependent and work together as one. And boy, is that countercultural. <laughs> We're taught that, right, you do your own thing. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We're taught that you make your own way in life. And the Bible teaches us a very different model. That we need God first and foremost and we need each other along the way. And our culture is not very good at living out interdependence and unity. Polarization, blame, division seem to be the flavor of the month. And we know that this year, it's an election year, right? It's just going to get worse. We know that. We've been through this before. People do their best to make other folks look good. I mean, look bad. (laughs) People do their best to make other folks not look good. On all sides of any issue. That's what they do. My prayer is that that does not impact who we are as a church. That we continue to live out who and what we are called to be. And that we need each other. And are different by divine design. And we come together. If you look in those verses right before where we read today. Verses 4 through 7. It says that to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That's verse seven, that we are given different abilities, differently abled, differently gifted for the common good. As we come together as one united in the one body of Christ. Sometimes it's hard to wrap our head around this image. Another reason I think it's hard to wrap our head around this image is because so much of our life, right, is structured with a sense of hierarchy. If you come from a military background or government or business structure, things are done so often in this hierarchy, right? Those below and those above. And so what this image of the church does, this image of the body, is that it turns that, right, on its side. That none of us is inferior or superior to anybody else. Jesus says the first shall be last, the last shall be first, that we are meant to be in this together as one. And that differentiation is for function only, not hierarchy, not power. All of us together, clergy and laity, men and women, young and old, whether you worshipped here 20 years ago or you've been here for 20 minutes, you belong and you matter in the body of Christ. And we need each other. Think about the church. Some love working with children, right? And some do not want to be there. (laughs) Some love working with teenagers and some do not want to be in that room. Some love mentoring adults and others would rather be with kids. 
Some of us love counseling and mentoring. Some of us like thinking strategically or doing administrative work. Some of us love doing finances, and some of us love working behind the scenes. Some of us love to visit in hospitals and prisons, and some of us love to bring food to a Wednesday night potluck and cook it. And some of us love to pick it up at Publix. We are not meant (laughs) to do it all on our own, right? We need each other. We are meant to be interdependent and do this thing we call church and ministry together. None of us can do it on our own. None of us can follow Christ on our own. And it is meant to be that way by divine design. Thanks be to God for that. We need each other. The fourth thing I want to lift up is belonging. So if you're sitting beside somebody or you're by yourself like I am at the moment, I just on the count of three, we're going to say the word belonging, right? One, two, three. Belonging. It means that you matter here. It means that you matter not only to Ebenezer, you matter to this body of Christ. You matter to Jesus. You matter to God. It means that you are an integral part of the body. This is what Paul writes to a church that's in conflict. That's powerful. Telling them that they need to work together. Telling them that they need to work together as one. Telling them that they are uh, intentionally different. By divine design, telling them that each one of them belongs and matters and makes a difference. If you look back at verse 21... We see how Paul talks about and explains how our uniqueness matters. If you look in verse 21, it says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Each one brings something unique to the table. The liver, for instance, uh, does something that nothing else in the body does, right? The spleen does something that nothing else in the body does. My right Little toe does something that nothing else in the body does. We need each other and each of us belongs and brings that something unique to the table. You are indispensable and have a purpose by divine design. And if you don't know what that gift is today and what you bring to the table, boy, would we love to talk to you about that. The pastors and the staff, our director of connections, we would love to help you discern what it is, how God has uniquely gifted you to be part of the body of Christ. Um, We'd like to talk about what your gifts are, your interests, your background, your story, and we'd love to help you live out your part within the body so that we all serve together side by side. And you get to live out your purpose in this diverse, interdependent, united whole that we call the body of Christ. From the moment we're baptized, right? I was pointing to the baptismal font, which would some days be here. (laughs) So this, once we're (laughs) come through the waters of baptism, right? We make a covenant. We make a covenant with God. We make a covenant with the church. And we covenant to do this thing we call church together as one. And that's beautiful. We've lifted up a lot of different examples for ways to serve, but I want to lift up a couple more. One of those is to think about our student ministries. If it were dependent upon our director of student ministries to do uh, what we do with students, not that much would happen, right? 
because she is incredibly gifted and she can only love on so many kids at one time as one person. And so what we do is we recruit incredible adult mentors and volunteers, not only in our student ministries, but also in confirmation, so that you've got two uh, mentors paired up together, and they focus and pour into and disciple, say, four or five kids at a time. And that's beautiful, right? And then that multiplies the number of students whose lives that we can touch in this incredible way with the process of discipling and mentoring them. Or think about a Sunday morning and what happens on a Sunday morning. We have people who are running AV and graphics and cameras and the welcome desk and ushers and greeters and communion servers and scripture readers and band members and choir members at the earlier service and pastors and all of us working together. And I didn't even name everybody who's part of a Sunday morning. Some of us teach a Bible study. Some of us bake cookies for the prison ministry. And some of us bring backpacks for local kids. Some of us are going to be buddies for children with special abilities. Some of us like to send cards. Some of us like to make phone calls. What is it that God has uniquely designed you to do as part of this body we call Jesus Christ? as what we call the church. You can go to the church website and click on that heading that says serve and see so many different opportunities. And if the way that you are gifted to serve is not listed there, let us know because maybe that's God's way of nudging us to start something new. I remember what those runners were saying as they were running down the boardwalk that morning. I want to be part of something that matters. I want to feel alive again. I want to do what I can do. And I want to feel my heart moving again. If that's the desire of your heart, you can live that out here in faith together as one. As we put skin on our faith and bring ministry to life. The image for this series is one person, right, jumping in, all committed. Now, maybe you're older and that does not look like fun. Um, but maybe you're younger and you can't wait. <laughs> what if we're all jumping in, right? Every single one of us. What if every single one of us is all in and committed? Imagine what ministry, which is already incredible. Just imagine what more that becomes. How God brings that to life as each one of us is living out our unique part of the body of Christ and doing that as we are differently gifted and all together as one. It's a beautiful image of the body of Jesus Christ. So who's up for being the spleen? There we go. There's one. (laughs) Who's up for being the liver? Okay, (laughs) who's up for being that big uh, left toe? Who wants to be the patella on the right side? (laughs) And who wants to be a capillary? This is exciting. (laughs) We get to be. It's a privilege, right? What a joy that we get to be the body of Christ together, interdependently, as one. Thanks be to God that the church as the way God has designed it, is together, diverse, interdependent, and united. And you, every one of you, here and online, belongs as a part of it. Thanks be to God.